Welcome to Guys in Shorts FC, the Southern California soccer podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about your favorite LA teams and more. I am Eric Vieira, sometimes known as Eric V, EV, and if you're a listener of the Guys in Shorts original recipe podcast, you might know me as the Portuguese Hammer. Joining me on Guys in Shorts FC is Victor Castello, a.k.a. the Ecuadorian Historian. I was I was fighting back tears last night. I'm not going to lie. Oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. So, uh, what we're what we're doing here is basically, um, if you listen to the guys in shorts flagship show, the original show, um, Victor and myself bring the soccer analysis and the updates of our beloved LA Galaxy, and occasionally we touch on the U.S. men's national team and women's national team uh, to that. To that matter, and we we're planning on doing a offshoot podcast similar to what we've done with the Rams House podcast, which focuses uh, specifically on the LA Rams, the Guys in Shorts King Show, which focuses specifically on the Los Angeles Kings. So we were going to go and bring a Guys in Shorts FC or football club or soccer or whatever you want to call it. We were going to go with a soccer theme show since my soccer updates. Um, you know, I know they're beloved in the hearts of and minds of the nation, but, it, you know, I was getting the nudges and the looks that, you know, I, I often, you know, shocker have a lot to say when it comes to the L.A. teams and soccer in general. So the thought was we were going to go and do our own offshoot talking about um, Los Angeles soccer teams, the L.A. Galaxy, of course, uh, coming into the scene. We have LAFC. There's a tons of going on with Southern California soccer when you talk about USL teams, you talk about local clubs, then we bring in the fact that we're Americans and United States national teams uh, supporters, and there's a certain culture to that as well. So we figured we wanted to bring that lens when talking about um, soccer. So the plan wasn't to come out with this podcast this soon, but after speaking with Victor and last night, the crushing blow that the United States men's national team had in Trinidad, in Tobago, we felt like we needed to do something and, and, and go live. So we don't have intro music. We don't have, you know, flashy, you know, sound things going on or graphics. So we're just kind of going raw here. It's our first episode. You know, we've taken our reps with the guys in shorts, original show, but we're going to, we're going to grow and we're going to see where this format takes us and, and how we can build on this going forward. But that's where we're at. We, we, want, we felt like we're, we're so raw and so um, fired up from yesterday that we needed to do something and record. And, and what better time than now to talk about soccer because everyone's talking about it and, and it hurts. And we need that outlet to get it out. What do you think, Vic? I could not have said it better myself at all. I mean, it was perfectly said. Oh, let's jump right into it then. So Trinidad and Tobago versus the United States. It was a must-win game for the United States. They needed, um, at minimum, a tie to go into either a playoff or to go automatically. A loss would not be catastrophic unless there were some other scenarios at play. Um, So we had the nightmare scenario where the United States lost, Panama wins, Honduras wins, and the United States doesn't even get a crack at the playoff, and they are eliminated from the World Cup. In your opinion, Victor, what went wrong? Uh, man, you know, immediately when the game started going, I, I, I was really thrown back by the fact that they came out so flat. It, it seemed like there was no sense of urgency at all uh, in this game. And when I saw them come out like that, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to give them a little bit to, to snap out of this. Mm-hmm. And that never seemed to happen. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on exactly why the team seemed to not care. And I don't know if that's the right word or not, but mm. that's the that's the way it came off to me. Was like it was a team that just thought that they were going to win. Like they didn't have to put forth the effort to beat it. You know, Trinidad and Tobago, who you know is not really should not be a threat to U.S. soccer. <laughs> 99th ranked team in the world. Yeah, exactly. And they almost came off as it was just their right to win this game. And <laughs> and it just it, it literally it was the first words when I started watching. I was with you know with my son Kobe and 
and uh, and my and my uh, you know my family and my wife and my other you know with Noah and, and my first words out of my mouth were like, "There's no sense of urgency. Like, what is going on here? There's just no sense of urgency." And that was number one. Um, number two, I mean, is obviously is the, the mistake by Omar. Uh, yeah, with the own goal and. Th- there's been a lot of talk of, of blaming Tony Miola and Tony Miola. Um, <laughs> wow. Sorry, you, you, Howard. Victor just showed how yeah. old he is oh, right yeah, now. Exactly. The Tony Miola shout Tony. out. Five minutes into the <laughs> yeah, pod, the, we the, got new, Tony. <laughs> the New Jersey Jets kicker. Um, but uh, uh, the um, Tim Howard. Tim Howard. He, his, his and I understand as a goalie, like he's not really prepared at that point. <laughs> to 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 make a dive right but from certain angles the dive seems so flat i don't know what exactly was going on there i, I don't necessarily blame him yeah. but i can i can understand where people are coming from um, yeah with with those shots i'm both were beautifully placed shots both by omar and by uh, alvin <laughs> jones so uh, part of me i i see what you're saying where you don't want to put the blame on tim howard but at the same time this was a cross in and it was you've seen this happen so many times during a game and it's uneventful you know 99.4 percent of the time but this time is when it bounced in but it was 20 yards out still so howard maybe could have gotten there the omar one was even more well placed than the the jones goal but the jones goal that was like 35 40 yards out and it was at a really strange angle it so, seemed pretty straight. It was, so, yeah. yeah. Well, from where he was where he was kicking it in because he curved, it was kind of outswinging. It, it just seemed like Howard should have really, you know, been able to get there. And, right. and, and it, it, it's really sad when you think about it. You think, does a, you know, 26-year-old Tim Howard get that ball? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I, because, I, I, because there were moments later in the game also where Howard – Howard looked shaky. He looked shaky. Oh, totally. You know, I thought they were going to give up a third in the second half and in the first half. So, um, blame doesn't solely fall on Howard, but no. I can't. I don't. I don't think anyone is going to say that Tim Howard played a great game for the United States. No, and you know what? You know what I think. I, I think what happened on that second goal, and, and I think you know, twenty-six-year-old Tim Howard does make a difference. Is his initial reaction to the shot? It seemed to take for him a good, you know, beat, beat and a half to realize. Oh wait, this is a good shot. Well, this is a shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Whereas I think, you know, I, I think his his reflexes, you know, when he's younger are a bit better, a bit quicker, and he realizes a little bit faster. I've got to take a couple of steps back. Um, but uh, you know, so man, I, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> we're just, at a loss. We don't know what to say. It's unbelievable. It's just so frustrating, and 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 I and right as of right now, you know, later on, you know, in this podcast, we'll talk about other things besides the team. But as far as the play on the field yesterday, um, there seemed to be no creativity against mm-hmm. the team that you think you should be creative against. And I understand that the field was bad. I understand that. Okay, but well, it, that, it, then, well, we can touch on that too because you said that they came out flat when when they took the field. Prior to the day before, my timeline was full of tweets and of people reposting that video of the the right. stadium being being flooded and the players being carried by the trainers onto the field. So it seemed to me like they were building that excuse in 24 hours before. Mm. And that may have been why they were so mentally unprepared is because they were already psyching themselves, oh, this field is flooded, the game might be postponed, um, you know, we're going to have a tough time because the field's going to be choppy, when the bottom line is the U.S. isn't playing on a different field than Trinidad. And it's not like Trinidad, you know, wishes that this field was horrible. I mean, of course, it slows down the U.S., but both teams are playing on this field, so you can't use that as an excuse. No, and you can't use it as an excuse. If you put any kind of European, let's say you put, uh, or even Brazil or Argentina, or Germany, uh, you know, any of these, qual- Portugal, there you go, any of these quality teams. <laughs> We're used to and, playing in the dirt. Yeah, that doesn't happen. You know, I saw a tweet yester- or yesterday that one of the, I don't know what team it was in Europe, um, one of their qualifying games was basically played like on a farm field. On a cow and, pasture. Yeah, that was a... Um, 
it's it's Bosnia and Herzegovina. There, there you go. And, and I forget I who was say. the team that played. I forget who the team that played them, but it was a it was, it was a, a powerhouse. Small. I think. Well, I mean, that, it was yeah, Belgium. Sorry. Belgium. Yes, yeah, Belgium. Belgium is the team, and they took yeah. care of business. Yeah, and so uh, as much as you, I mean, that might play five to ten percent of a factor. I don't know, um, but it sh- still should not be the reason why you lose against Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and- and you to know, your point, you were saying that the creativity and the skill, there were moments in that game where Trinidad was moving the ball around that looked like, oh yeah. you know, Bar- Barcelona. It was like, this isn't this isn't a high-quality team. I mean, all credit <laughs> to Trinidad. I mean, you don't want to well, make fun of them because they beat the U.S. I mean, obviously, they're adults. They're, they're soccer players. They, they play for their country. They're prideful. But, I mean, Trinidad has no business playing tiki-taki around the U.S., no. Uh, team and that second goal. I mean, Al- Alvin Jones is the guy who scored that for Trinidad. I think if he takes that shot and you give him a hundred tries, he right. he doesn't make one. I no. mean, that was a one in a million chance of him nailing that shot. So, yeah. so they had no business, you know, dancing around the U.S. like they did. No, and it and it's it, and it's pretty sad that you know what I've always had a problem with def- the U.S. defensively, right? And. Mm. Uh, Yesterday just, you know, obviously showcased that to a T of how weak defensively we, we, norm, we normally are. And um, But what's worried me more was normally in a game like this, when you know you're going home unless you, you know, score another goal, you tend to have a lot more quality chances near mm-hmm. the end of the game. And yes, the U.S. Yeah. did have some. But no, in my opinion, at least, nowhere near the amount of quality chances that they should have had. And they, Trinidad had just as many, if not more, if not in the more. U.S. win yeah. while up. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, and some of those are, are you know, uh, counterattacks. In, in yeah, areas, of course. But not all of them. Not all of them were. That, that worries even if, me. That worries me a yeah, lot even, because you can't have, like, you, <laughs> you talk about pride. You, you just don't allow that to happen. That, that should never <laughs> You should have hit the post five times and and you know uh, been called off sides ten times. You know you you push and you push and you push because all Trinidad was doing was 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 stacking the back, and that should mm-hmm. give you plenty oh, of yeah. space. They had you know, ten guys the, back there. Yeah, so that should give you plenty of space in in the midfield to pass the ball around, and they couldn't even do that in the midfield. I, yeah. I, it, it just it blows my mind. Yeah, that's that's the frustrating part is because obviously you're going to give up those counterattacks when you go full press, but they weren't even doing that. I mean, go out on your shield, go down. If you end up giving up a third goal, at least give up that third goal, knowing that you were, right. you were pressing a hundred percent. And then going to our defense, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty now. Um, but Bruce arena starting the same exact 11 and having Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler at, as center backs when Jeff Cameron who was healthy apparently just sitting there yeah, on the bench. That, I, I, I think Jeff that. Cameron may have been um, obviously now we, <laughs> we wish that we had Jeff Cameron in there, but, but there hasn't been a consistent, you know, back back line for the U S and that's a problem. They conceded 13 goals in this final round of the, of the world cup qualifying. And that's, that should not be happening. 13 goals is a lot over 10 games. I mean, you, you do not want that kind of average. And I heard um, Marcelo Balboa was doing a radio interview today because they're they're pulling every single former U.S. <laughs> national team player onto every single uh, you know talk radio and TV show today. But he was talking about when he played, they didn't have the on-the-ball talent or the skill when they played these other you know well-polished national teams. But what they did have is they had the hustle and they had the physicality. They used to nickname them. He said they used to call us the donkeys because you weren't, you know, you you maybe were better than us, but we were going to make your day a living hell. We were going to just, you know, hack and push and do whatever you can. And outside of Christian Pulisic yesterday, I didn't see a lot of on the ball skill. But if you're not going to have the on the ball skill, have the hustle. And they lack the hustle and they lack the physicality. And, you know, Omar Gonzalez is not a, a weeping willow. He he should be a, a, asserting his will on that back line. And you should see guys like Josie Altador muscling people, not, you know, getting chopped down. He he needs to exert that physicality. And I think the U.S. is never going to be that tiki-taka, on-the-ball, skilled team 
So they need to have that hustle and the physicality, and they lost that. They lost sight of that used to be their identity, and it was no longer, and and it came back to bite them. Yeah, you know what? I think the word that we're we're looking for here is grit. They showed grit, no grit. Yeah. <laughs> they showed no grit yesterday whatsoever, and uh, and, and the final score showed that. You know, um, one of the other things that um, man, I, it's just so much. But yeah. uh, <laughs> did we? So we're past the second goal. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what happened to Darlington Nagby? Yeah, <laughs> that whoever was on the field—that's the ghost of Darlington Nagby. Nagby. I don't know if um, you know uh, Nigel De Young. You know, took his soul when he <laughs> tackled him when he was playing in Portland. But Darlington Nagby, with all the hype, and we we're saying that this, we're going to call this guy up. I remember for the Copa America, yeah. Yeah. he's going to come up and he's going to be a staple for us, and he's going to he's going to help us be decent. And he, he showed promise in a couple games, right? But since then, he, the the one thing that was true is he has been a staple of this team. But man, yesterday, he was a dog. I mean, I thought he should have been replaced much sooner than he was. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree because he seemed lost out there. He seemed timid and lost. Um, you know, he, he's one of those players that uh, causes problems because of his speed and his, his touch on the ball. His skill, and, exactly. Yeah. And he, he didn't use any of it. None, none of it. None of it, which is so weird to see, you know. And, and uh, you know, Josie Altador, it's, it's, it's so hard to talk about him because he has scored so many goals. But at the same time, sometimes <laughs> he just gets under my skin. And I know what you're saying. It's just it's difficult to watch him sometimes because he's one of those players that will, will never create a goal for himself. Um but he, you have to mark him because he's he has that knack of that scoring ability. Mm-hmm. So you have to and mark what, him. What, and what I will give Josie something that he's definitely gotten much better at is is creating, maybe not creating it on the ball, but shielding a defender, opening up the run, right. pu- making the run that pulls the defenders away. That he he does that very right. well. He and does so, do that but right. but I understand what you're saying because it's not like, you know, Josie Altador is our savior and our, our goal scorer and we can bank on him every single game he does well but he's not automatic for us you Just, know, you, I, you, I think he he's our automatic starter but right. i don't know that you have the confidence that he's going to get one every time and just uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is imagine Josie Altador with the work ethic of Kobe Jones and yeah. you have a totally different player yeah I, Kobe I Jones that's... I mean god bless Kobe Jones's heart if Kobe Jones had any touch on the ball he would have been you know a hall of famer world-class player he was just <laughs> all speed all grit all hustle yeah i mean exactly and he, that made him that made him great it did and, and but, but i don't think you could say that he was maradona or he was oh, no you know no. this 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 you know genius on the field but that that's how far hustle and grit and speed can take you very very far right you know, it will take you farther than on the ball skill without those things. Right. And so, yeah, having a Josie Altador, um, and, and but sorry, I'm not. I'm going to go against you here. I don't think jo- Josie tries hard. You could tell Josie is putting it out on the field. Unfortunately, I, I think some games he just it doesn't work out for him. So, so, so I understand what you're saying, but I think Josie he has that effort. That's just not his style because he's not going to be, you know, the road runner running up and down the field. Right. I guess not. I, I'm not really saying roadrunner. What I'm saying is yeah. um, there's times where he Just doesn't track. Yeah, he doesn't track back or mm-hmm. something goes wrong. And he throws a five second fit on the field. It, stuff yeah. like that gets to me. And I'm like, dude, like, okay, you've got to keep going. Like, you, you, you know, so it's an attitude thing. Yeah, it's more of like uh, uh, continue, continue the play on the ball. Just yeah. because it wasn't passed perfectly to you doesn't mean you can't take, you know, two or three steps to the left or right. Um and I guess that's that's what gets to me, uh, yeah. A lot of times when he's playing, but I mean, he is he's a goal scorer, and I understand why he's in the game. He he's definitely a goal scorer. You give him a you know an opening, and and he's usually pretty good about putting that ball in the back of the net. But yeah, um, and that's the crazy thing. You, you know, you look at the the goal that he scored Friday night, and then the penalty, and it's like, well, this guy's right. He's it. He's our guy. <laughs> and then you see <laughs> the game against Trent. It's like, well, where's the guy from Friday? So so let me ask you this Eric how much blame do you put on Bruce Arena I think I think 
I think he, he takes a fair bit of the blame. I mean, I don't know if we want to go percentages. You know, I'd go maybe 50 Bruce, 50 the players um, for this particular game against Trinidad. He, I understand the logic. You have a team who won 4-0 on Friday. They were the hot hand. They looked invincible. Why not start the same guys? But I think Bruce was arrogant, and this goes back to your original point, that they thought that this game was a gimme. Bruce thought that he could start whoever. It didn't matter who he started. They were going to come out with three points. So he said, these guys look good. Let me start these guys. I don't think he looked at Trinidad from the way, from what I saw, the game plan that I saw or lack thereof. I don't think he looked at Trinidad and had a game plan. I think he had his scheme, his formation, and they were going to try to, obviously you try to score and you try to win. But I don't think he, he accounted for how Trinidad was going to counter or how Trinidad was going to be physical or where Trinidad was going to try desperation, you know, goals. I don't know if that's something you can predict. But I, I don't think that he took Trinidad and Tobago seriously. And so I think part of this does fall on him. And a lot of people were saying, oh, well, they have tired legs. They have tired legs. Well, then if they have tired legs, then they shouldn't be – you shouldn't be starting the same 11. You brought – you called up – a 24-man roster or a 26-man roster. I don't know what the final numbers are. You have 24 players. A World Cup ticket is on the line, and you play the same guys within a you know uh, a 96-hour period. You play the same exact guys. Why not bring a Jeff Cameron on off the bench to give you some uh, someone who's hungry on defense? You know, <laughs> as much as I hate the guy, bring in Chris Wondolowski, who's gonna. That guy is going to kill himself trying to get a goal to get to the World right. Cup, especially after his performance in the last World Cup. I'm sure you know he hasn't heard enough on Twitter and in person about missing that goal against Belgium. The you know the only thing on his mind would be punching U.S.'s ticket to the next World Cup. So why not infuse those guys? If Trinidad is not a threat, then why not start Chris Wondolowski? Why not bring in a Dax McCarty who's a hard worker and a hustler and has that grit? You have guys on the bench. You brought them. Why not use them? And and so that that's where it falls on Bruce. The players obviously didn't perform. You, you were talking about Josie not tracking back. I watched the video again of that second goal, and it was Trinidad and Tobago passing the ball around, and the U.S. was just so lazy, so lackadaisical, and yeah. just let them do whatever they want. So they needed to infuse some energy, and when you're down two goals, and he, he didn't sub, he brought on Dempsey at the half, but you need to go into panic mode a little bit sooner, and, and they didn't. They never went into panic mode. Yeah, and you know what's funny is, is talking about that second goal, there was a pass that was made. Uh, um, what was the name from name of the guy from Trinidad that scored the goal? Alvin Jones. Alvin Forever Jones. There was in my nightmares. <laughs> there was a pass. I purposely forgot who he is. <laughs> there, is uh, there was a pass that was made to him prior to him shooting that ball, and this is in the, you know, in the, in the midfield, um, obviously, because the shot was pretty much from the midfield. Um, and I, I believe it was Darlington Nagby. I, I, I think it was Darlington Nagby who I, f- as soon as the pass happened, I was like, why did he wait? Why did he watch that pass? He was yeah. T- Nagby feet. Nagby was the guy who should have covered him. Yes. He, yeah, I was like, what is going? On? As it's happening, I'm like, well, that wasn't good because that that's that's the type of play that should not that second goal shouldn't have happened. It should not have happened. Mm-hmm. Darlington Nagby should have a either intercepted that ball or b. Uh, went went to go, uh, you know, mark it, mark that down. man, close him down, and none of those those two things happened, and that's that's I, get, I think that's you know the most frustrating part is exactly what we opened up with was there just was no sense of urgency, there was no uh, you know we got to play you know ten times harder than these guys play mm-hmm. to win this game, there was none of that. Um, the, it yeah, seemed I like think, the entire game to me. And and we're really hitting on that, that grit. They seemed entitled. They seemed arrogant. And I have seen a few articles and pieces that, you know, all the millennials and this entitled generation, this is the U.S. soccer, this is what they get. And I'm not going to go that far and say, well, the millennial attitude ruined the United States World Cup chances. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah. But I think I think what happened is after going down a goal, and then the second goal, I think they went into a little bit of shock. I don't think they ever imagined themselves in a scenario no. No. being down a goal, let alone two goals, against Trinidad. And that was, there was no game plan for that. So what do we do? I mean, they were almost, you know, it happens sometimes when, 
you know, there are some bad situations and you freeze and you look back and you say, oh, I really should have done something there when, you know, the bully confronted me or someone, you know, said something to me. You say, I should have snapped back. I have all these great comebacks or I should have done something that was really wrong what they did. But you freeze when you're you're terrified or you're in shock. And that that's part of what I think happened is these guys were in shock and and they didn't know how to respond. And you talked about how much of the blame is on Bruce Arena. And I think part of this blame has to fall on Michael Bradley as well because he's the captain of this team. And there are a lot – it's funny. There's a lot of camps and people who support the U.S. national team. And there are some camps out there that are like the anti-Michael Bradley crew, which I, I don't get. I think it's because his dad was a former coach and they think he didn't deserve right. a spot. I think he's earned his spot oh, totally. and he's a, deserved, he's a deserved captain. But yesterday, that is the captain's job to rally the troops and to say we're down and he needs to be the field general and yelling at people and, and just getting on his horse and saying let's let's figure this stuff out. Are we going to be a clean podcast or a bad podcast? Figure this shit out. I don't know where, where we're going here. <laughs> but he, that's that's part of his job and I, I don't know if this gives a little bit too much into my psyche as a when I used to play you know I'm not exactly the most fast guy on the field and Say, I'd what? get tired and <laughs> I'd get tired and maybe I, I'd, I'd walk a few plays and I'd have some good friends of mine yell at me and, and get on my ass and say, hey, come on, get it moving, let's go. And that would motivate me and that would get me going. Right. So, so that's the job of the teammates and particularly the captain to motivate his team and keep it going. And so if the rest of the team is going to, going into shock, then the captain needs to have the peace of mind and the calmness to say, okay, I see what's going on. I'm reading the scenario and I need to fix it. But I think he just fell into the same trap. I think his, his service in so many other games has been pitch perfect and just great on the ball. You look at his goal against Mexico. I mean, his touch and his, his service has been excellent, but yesterday he was sending crosses into, into the wall. His corner kicks were off. I mean, everything was just, it, it shook him. It shook him just as much as everyone else. And he was a guy who we needed to lean on during that game. You know, I I think you, you make a great point in that, and you know, I think maybe this is one of the flaws of this lineup is who is that guy in this lineup? We don't have one. Mm-hmm. We don't. You know, um, and, and I know it's, in in, in the, well, you know, sadly, I I'm gonna sorry. I'm, you go know, ahead. Welcome to the, the the Portuguese Hammer podcast where I interrupt <laughs> everyone and talk for half an hour. No worries. <laughs> I'm gonna let you talk, Victor. I promise. <laughs> but I think the the closest we have to that guy is Christian Pulisic, and I think if anything, this hex this round, this is now his team. And right. you can tell that he wears his emotion. He has the grit. He gets angry. He gets frustrated. Right. Maybe it's even too much so. But he, you got to think he's nineteen. That's part of that's part of being nineteen is being a little bit almost too hot headed. But but he has that, and maybe he's going to be that guy going forward. But outside of that, I don't see anyone else who was ready to, up to that task of of motivating the rest of the team. Yeah, and the, well, the sad part for Christian is that he's he's the young guy on the or one of the young guys on the team. And it, it's hard um, to uh, get the respect of you know the other players around him uh, because he is so young to be able to to pull that off right now. I think in, you know obviously in the next World Cup he is going to be the man. He is going to be able to pull that off, and people will respect him um, a little bit more if they qualify. If they qualify, I'm, I'm, but we're going <laughs> to qualify. There's no way. There's just there's just no way. But um, you know what's funny is there's a guy on the Galaxy or you or. Uh, uh, that we, we you know we used to make fun of uh, because no I've got a, a long list of those right and he used to play for the for the U.S. men's national team but you know the one thing that he did do when he was on the U.S. men's national team was he brought that fire he brought that uh, energy onto the field and it's Jermaine Jones you know um, yeah. if there's one thing that he did is is that he brought mm-hmm. that um, and, that's, and there's there's nobody on this team right now that has that. And it's, it's funny you mention that because I talked about the physicality and if nothing else, Jermaine Jones and he, and he ran, he even ran his mouth on Twitter on, you know, yesterday (laughs) after the game, but Jermaine Jones, when he brought it and he did it in the world cup game against Portugal, which I think is the game of his career. If he were to pick a game to frame and put it up in his house, that's the game that he would frame. He was fired up. He was getting people motivated. He was physical and I think what they needed is that bruiser. And he was, we mentioned, I mentioned it to my brother because we were watching the game against uh, Panama. And 
Pulisic was the Panamanian players were being a little rough with him. You know, Romel Torres, who's right. you know half incredible Hulk, half human. <laughs> he was you know imposing his will, and the Trinidad players were throwing elbows. And what they needed, they needed a bodyguard, and Jermaine Jones would have been that bodyguard right. to go in there and and probably get a red card and headbutt somebody or kick somebody. But <laughs> you almost you need sometimes you, you need, do that, need that yeah. you need the enforcer. Sometimes right. you need the enforcer. And you, you you're not gonna need it when you play Argentina or when you play Germany or Brazil because they're not gonna try to do that to you. But you know who's gonna try to do that to you? Trinidad's gonna try to do that to right. you. Panama's gonna try to do that to you. So you need you need that enforcer in CONCACAF that's a that's a role that needs to be filled. And as much as I hate to say it and Jermaine Jones w- could have been that guy um, in these past two games. Yeah. So, okay, lastly, I-, I wanted to touch upon U.S. soccer as a whole. And, I, I mean, I have my own opinions, you know, of, <laughs> of-, of what's gone wrong. Um, you know, they've done a lot right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but t- Turns out a lot of people have opinions if you've been on the Internet oh, in the last 24 Lord. hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but I-, I wanted to see – I wanted to hear what you had to say about U.S. soccer and where you feel – what kind of responsibility they have – and uh, how do you think they turn this around? So, I mean, everyone, it seemed like, had a rant yesterday. Taylor Twelman went crazy on ESPN. Yeah, he did. And, uh, and the, but the most common theme that I saw pop up was the, the pay-to-play leagues and um, affluent kids growing up and playing soccer and it not being a, a poor man's game. You know, every other country, your Brazils, your... Well, anywhere in South America, really. And in Europe, you can come from poverty. You can come from nothing. But if you have the skill, you can make it as a professional footballer or soccer player. And in the U.S., it's the structure is different. And so when you look at the rosters, you're not seeing, you know, do you see, outside of, um, you know, George Villafane, do you see any Hispanic last names right. on this roster? Right. Not, you know, Paul Ariola, not a lot. But look at think of Los Angeles in Southern California. There is no doubt in my mind that in Southern California, I, if you give me six months, that I can get some talent together that could challenge the U.S. national team, just in in, in this region. And so the scouting and and the, the the format, I saw that pop up a lot, and a lot of people seem to be aware that that's a problem. And so now it's. Is U.S. soccer going to do anything to address it? And can they do anything to address it? Is the system too big now that you, you can't go backwards? So so what do you do? How, how do you find talent outside of these clubs where kids are paying ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year to be part of these clubs when maybe those aren't going to be the best players? Maybe the players who are going to have that grit, who are going to have that hunger, who are going to play like their livelihood depends on it, are not the guys who are playing for those clubs. So how do you unlock that talent? And you know what, that's the big question. You know what's funny is, I'll tell you guys a little story, is I have a, an uncle that was my, my club soccer coach when I was growing up, or one of my club soccer coaches. And after I was done playing club soccer, my dad my dad was one of the uh, assistant coaches. They, maybe about mm, three or four years after I was done playing, they wanted to continue coaching. And my uncle owns a business in the city of Wilmington here in California. And if you're not familiar with where Wilmington is, it's pretty much, you know, in the hood. And um, lots of gang problems, lots of, you know, just it's just not the best neighborhood in the world. Well, my uncle was, you know, in the community. He knew people in the community. And he decided that he wanted to start a club team with players from the Wilmington, Long Beach area. And... He fronted the money to buy them cleats. He fronted the money mm-hmm. for the fees. He bought them bags. They didn't have to worry about anything, right? Bunch of little Mexican kids uh, here in California, and uh, they tore it up. They were yeah, beating shocker. <laughs> yeah, they they were beat. You know, in silver and gold, they were winning their divisions. They were beating teams like exactly what you said. You know, people pay five, ten thousand dollars, however much it costs to play in one of these teams. They were they were winning. They were beating everybody, and these were a bunch of poor kids that would never have found a place to the opportunity, right? If it wasn't for my uncle, and uh, why U.S. soccer continues to put a blind, uh, you know, eye to these to these players is is incredible to me because the talent is there. It's totally Mm -hmm. there. Think about it, Eric. What what sports? Okay, the U.S. is dominant in basketball, right? 
Yes. Um, the U.S. is uh, uh, not so dom- dominant in uh, the sport of hockey, right? Uh, to play hockey, there's you have to pay. I mean, skates, pads, it, mm-hmm. helmet, yep. everything. It, it costs <laughs> Especially a lot. if you live in. If you live in L.A., you're not going to the local um, <laughs> pond either. You, you you need to pay for rink time and all those other things that come along with it also. Yeah, so it's not cheap <coughs> to be on a, on a hockey you know hockey team. Um, but basketball, all you need is a basketball and your public court. Uh, and obviously in the NBA, there's a lot of guys who have come from a, a pretty, you know, uh, uh, poor background and have been able to make it. And, and a lot of times those are the best players, you know, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't always happen that way, but it does happen. And yeah, uh, obviously there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but right. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're called generalizations for a reason because you can generalize what usually happens or what is often the case. And, and you, you're absolutely dead on there. Yeah. And so the same thing can happen in us soccer if they would just, be willing to, and I don't know if it's an image thing. I don't know if it's a, um, if a there's marketing that, thing, a yeah. marketing thing, or if it's just like you said, it's just club soccer has gotten too big, and it's too hard to fight it now, and yeah. uh, because there's going to be too much pressure because these people are making so much money, to you yeah. know, I, I don't. I no don't one's going to want to give up. No, no right. one's going to say, well, you know what? In for the good of the game, right. I'm not going to charge money for my club anymore. Right. And I'm going to no. Every, <laughs> people want money. People are greedy, and that's that's kind of the way the world works sometimes. Yeah. So, um, the one thing that whoever is able to unlock that or figure it out could do a huge favor for U.S. soccer and soccer in the United States moving forward. Well, the I, talk I, that that I've seen doesn't seem. <laughs> I mean, from comments Sunil Galati has made, the president of U.S. Soccer, comments Bruce Arena made after the game, I don't think they they realize how devastating of a loss this was. Right, and you know, but you know what though, you know who who tried to change it, and is no longer the U.S. national team coach. <laughs> yeah, well, there it is, Mr. Jurgen Klingsman. He came in talking about that. He wanted to bring in guys with Hispanic last names. Like that was the first mm-hmm. thing that he said coming off, and he got shut down pretty much by U.S. Soccer. So yeah. I don't know if it's if it's possible. I really don't. Yeah, yeah, and that and that was another theory or idea floating around. Is Jurgen was right? Jurgen should have been given total control. Uh, he was handcuffed when he was coached, and I see that to an extent. But when Jurgen was a actual coach i don't know that he ever really put it together either he talked about vision he talked about this idea and style of play but he never instituted it so i i see that the the vision is all great and wanting to do it is fine and dandy but whoever steps forward needs to actually do it but based on the like i said the comments and the people that they're talking about you know they're saying well who's going to replace bruce arena this should be a wake up call they're going to you know re- reevaluate their system like germany or like iceland and then be back and and win it all but you know i saw a great line on twitter that'd be like telling the chinese basketball team okay you guys need to go back and revamp your your system that way you can win in the olympics it's like well i hate to break it to you you know, they're, Look, Eric, don't, I don't care what, what system you have. Yeah, I'm sorry, Yao Ming. Apologies to Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah, but um, go ahead. I was going to say, don't bring up the Olympics. That's another, that's another sore point with U.S. soccer. <laughs> yeah, well, we can go all day. We're the 40 <laughs> minutes. We can, this is going to be a, a tight two and a half hours here. Um, but yeah, the, no matter how great the system, you know, hypothetically that this Chinese basketball camp would make at some point they're not going to have the talent to beat the u.s and so the u.s needs to look at themselves and say it can't all be tactics we need to have the talent as well and some of the names that i've seen throw around is peter vermese caleb porter so you're telling me that the savior of u.s soccer is going to come from major league soccer you know sporting kansas sporting kansas city's manager is the one who's going to take us to the promised land and i think that's if they do something like that that's absolutely insane and that's what something the taylor twelman was saying is what's insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result and if they keep hiring uh you know coaches within major league soccer and the league has grown and the league is doing well financially but you need to flip it on its head another idea that i saw is you know italy sebastian giovinco they didn't call him back into the national team because he came to play 
in Major League Soccer. So right. Jurgen had a little bit of this. He said, if you're not playing in Europe, right. you're you're not playing with top talent, and I don't want you on my team. So maybe you know that the U, someone who's coaching the U.S. says, listen, if you're not aspiring to play in Europe, or you know trying to get good minutes on a European side or a, a high quality side, maybe you shouldn't be representing our country because you know Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altidore, yeah. Michael Bradley. That's that's the core of our team during this last World Cup cycle, and they all came back, you know, with their tails between their legs. And some of them, it was time. And some of them maybe could have fought for a spot. So maybe someone needs to set an ultimatum and flip it on its head and and really push these guys because whatever is going on now, it's not working. And if it doesn't change, then the U.S. is just going to continually be um, a joke in, US, in, in international soccer. And they have so much potential not to be. And I don't want to go super negative, but I went to a really dark place <laughs> this no, morning well, and, and and last well, night. <laughs> hold on, hold on, because I want what, you to go. I want you to go really negative. I want you to. I want you to deep dig deep into the feelings that you had right after the game and this morning. And I want to hear the best Eric, the Portuguese hammer, uh, <laughs> rant via Taylor Twelman to end this podcast. <laughs> I, I want you to just let her rip right now. Go for it. All right. Oh well, I, that's a that's way to hype it up. So now I'm going to get yes, um, <laughs> super serious. So <laughs> yesterday, last night, after yelling at my TV screen, getting upset, you know, finding out that we are not going to make a World Cup for the first time since 1986, this was equivalent to the day I found out Santa Claus was not real. Mm. The, the you know, the day you find out that wow, this was all a lie. I, I thought that this was real. I thought that someone had magic powers and that this was going to be a magnificent world that I live in. And you get stuck with the harsh reality that it's just mom or dad who f- write their name on those <laughs> gifts or who, who, you know, it's, it's not Santa Claus does not, those people at the mall are not, you know, really workers for the North pole right. and they're not all operatives. It's all a charade. And, you know, to think that I was so naive that I ever thought that U.S. soccer would put it together or that soccer would become relevant in the United States and it would catch and people would be, you know, growing up wanting to be soccer. I can't believe that I was ever that naive to believe that. And this was the culmination in the slap in the face that, you know, you need to just accept the fact that United the United States men's soccer team is never going to win a World Cup they're never going to be relevant on the international stage, and you just need to be okay with that. And that's mm. where this loss took me yesterday. Wow! I on those thoughts honestly went through my head that I, not that I'm ever going to give up on being a fan. You know, you talk to people say, "Well, after the 2014 World Cup, I started watching soccer," or you know, I started right. following the LA Galaxy, and when they got David Beckham, you know, I've liked, I've loved soccer since. As long as I could remember, the earliest memories I have are playing AYSO soccer when I was five years old. So I'm never going to give up on soccer. But I think this loss crushed the idea that soccer is ever going to be a real phenomenon in the United States. There are too many other sports. There are too many other talented avenues and money where people, where people who would play soccer can go that I just need to accept the fact that this is who the United States are, and that's where we're going to be moving forward. I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope someone figures it out to tap into the talent pool and to make the U.S. relevant and exciting and a World Cup contender, but that might not happen in my lifetime. Wow. Oh, man. That's tough to hear. Right, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sad, sad. Hey, guys, you want to get sad and listen to a podcast? <laughs> but, but this is where it took me. The performance was so bad; it made me so upset that I actually the thoughts went through my head, and and that's should be that shouldn't be going through my head. And I'm sure there there's no player who was in Trinidad and Tobago wearing the U.S. national team shirt who is not going to be haunted by this for the rest of their lives. Well, they should be, but. 
so, but we should, the president of U.S. soccer should not be saying, well, 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 no. let's not think about wholesale changes yet. Right. Or, no. And Bruce Arena should not be saying, well, this wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, this was, was bad. Amazing, yeah. And this was really, really bad. And we need to, the wholesale changes need to be made. Oh, totally. And, and so that's where we're at. And if you don't think that wholesale changes need to be made, then I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. No. I mean, there has to be. Obviously, this isn't working. So there has to be. Um, if this is good enough for you, then uh, you need to be gone. Pretty much, I think. Yep. At least. Um. <sighs> good time. This you, is therapy, really. really We're not really is. releasing this, right? This is just the <laughs> Dear Diary. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the name, new name of the podcast. But, um, yeah, man. You know what's funny is, is I... I text the guys, you know, in our, in our text thread last night. I, I, I couldn't, when it first happened, within the first, you know, minute or so that it happened, I couldn't quantify my feelings. Like, I didn't know. It felt like it wasn't real almost because I, mm-hmm. this isn't something that we go through. Um, and literally, as I'm starting to think about it more and more, tears welling up in my eyes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on? Like, I, I didn't feel this for any of the, you know, Lakers when they lost or Dodgers when they lost or any team. Yeah. It was only for this U.S. soccer not making the, the World Cup where I felt literally depressed. And mm-hmm. um, it was such a weird, weird feeling. And now I, it's, it's, it's to the point where um, th- things need to happen. Something needs mm-hmm. to happen because this is – it should not have happened and – like I said, if if you're okay with this, then you need to be gone. And I don't care who you are in U.S. soccer, you need to be gone yeah. because it's not it's not good enough. It, um, yeah. But um, ooh, that's that's the Kurt Anolfo playbook. It's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I'm right there with you. You know, last night and this morning, I I'd never really felt. I literally felt sick to my stomach. Like uh, like it was the the heartbreak and the the sadness. It it literally my stomach was in, I had stomach aches. Yeah. And so that, that feeling should be felt by the entire United States soccer nation. And the, the one positive that you could spin this is out of the ashes rises the Phoenix. Oh man, that was good. That was good. Um, So when you hit rock bottom, there is nowhere to go, but up. So we are at rock bottom now. So we need to look at our, under 17 national team our under 20 national team let's start giving those guys serious minutes we're not going to play in a world cup next year we're not going to play a meaningful game in two years let's start getting these guys minutes because you know that come world cup time who's going to who are they going to want to play for a tune-up match to the world cup all the teams that are going there they're going to want to play the u.s because the u.s has players who have played in a world cup and who have gone there. But don't give the other nations that. Do this for the United States. Right. Put in the younger players. Give them the experience playing against World Cup level talent. Bring in a coach. Try some weird... Be weird. Try some weird tactics. Play you know, with a false nine. Play, play with three defenders in the back. Do something adventurous. Develop a style. We don't have a style. We don't. You know, what, develop an American style. And foster it in these young under 20 kids. And grow and build a golden generation you know you we've seen this you know i wasn't going to get through a soccer podcast without talking about portugal <laughs> but <laughs> one of um the portugal's golden generations they had won a youth world cup and that generation that team essentially stuck together for 15 years with luis figo and rui costa and you know victor Bahia. these 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 guys all they they were the national team for 10 15 years and it was just a given you weren't going to see any other names on the roster because this was their team and when you have a cohesive unit who plays together for years you're going to be dangerous and i don't care how how much what all-star team you put together the team that has been together longer and has had time to gel and build a style and knows each other in and out that's the team that's going to win and the u.s needs to figure out right now in the next year the next two years who their guys are and stick with those guys moving forward. You're right. You're absolutely right. 
There you go. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, we're, we're running up against the clock here. So, um, but uh, nice. I, you know, it's it's kind of a cliche, but you know, there is always tomorrow. And I, and I think you're right. I think the young guys seeing what happened is gonna. I'm hoping that it lights a fire underneath them, um, especially Christian Pulisic, which I think it did already. Uh, yeah, and the, he's and heartbroken. Come, you know, they, he's heartbroken. Yeah, and and these guys come back with a fire in their belly and uh, do something about it. But um, like Eric said at the top of this podcast, this is our, our trial run. Um, we weren't planning to do this so early, so please uh, forgive us for any kind of uh, audio issues or uh, not seem, being not seeming to be so coherent or, or have a pathway. We, we literally were just <laughs> shooting from the hip tonight. Um, didn't really plan this out, but uh, we are going to be covering soccer uh, in general, both the LA Galaxy, the LAFC, U.S. Men's Soccer, and uh, any other things that we deem worthy enough to be on the podcast will be mentioned. How do you want to wrap this oh, up, Eric? Setting a high bar. That, that You summed it up perfectly. So um, we are going to try to promise to you, the listener, if you're seeking us out, that we're not going to be a bummer every time. <laughs> yes, no, that's so, very true. <laughs> but but uh, the, given the LA Galaxy season and the U.S., I don't know. But <laughs> we are going to look for the positivity and everything that is great about soccer because, you know, the communities and culture, that su- the supporters clubs of these teams, the people who love the sport, who want the sport to grow, this is a, f- uh, a fan base and a, a people who really are passionate about it. You don't, you don't see a... Ca- you don't see very many casual soccer fans seeking out a podcast. So if you're going to join us on this ride, this is going to be for you guys. And we are going to do our best to get an idea of what the pulse is of soccer in Southern California and nationally and and do our best to grow it. You know, we don't care if we're the, you know, 1,564th soccer podcast out there. That's good. That's a good thing. The more voices we have out there you know, talking about soccer, criticizing our teams, um, you know, pushing them to do better. That's a good thing. And that's what's going to move our sport forward. And we just want to be a part of that. And hopefully you'll join us along for that ride. Love it. All right. So for Victor Castello, the Ecuadorian historian or the Ecuadorian (laughs) valedictorian, I I wrote like five of these down. I know you said I didn't plan, but I had these prepped. I I love them So for Victor Castello, I am Eric Vieira, and this was Guys in Shorts FC, and we'll see you next time.